Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will discuss pain, trials, temptations, and failures. These events and actions are a reality of every human being's existence. Sometimes those circumstances and experiences are beyond what we can bear. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8-9 that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even for life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. Today, we will explore how the inevitable hurts, sins, sufferings we experience can lead us to a greater dependence and reliance on God, as well as create an avenue through which we can experience the abundant life no matter what we face. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says this, Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. With that said, I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and here we go. All right, joining me today is Bo Brezina. Hey, Ross. Hey. Uh, Jamie Ferris-Piles. Hi. And Connie Brezina. Hi. How are you guys today? Good. 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 Awesome. All right. So obviously we are talking about the awesome topic of pain and trials and suffering <laughs> today. So, um, but hopefully there'll be a lot of hope that people get out of this. So let's start off by defining or explaining some of the words that we're talking about. So first in the Living in Jesus study, we talk about how burdens or trials are different than temptations. So can we explain a little bit how those two things are different? Sure. You know, as we mentioned in the workbook, and as you referenced in 2 Corinthians 1.8 in the introduction, burdens are something that we cannot control. Hmm. It's something beyond our strength, like Paul said, whereas temptations are something, obviously, those do not come from God. James says very clearly that God doesn't tempt us with mm-hmm. evil, and he's not tempted. So it's not coming from God, but it's coming from the enemy, and uh, it's the mental and spiritual warfare, hmm. the thoughts and temptations and ideas of of sin and yeah. and things of that nature that we can control by God's grace. He gives us a way of escape. I think just those two defining temptations and burdens like Bo just did was a huge impact on my own life personally, because I know for years, even as a Christian, I was under the impression that God would never give me more than I could handle. I mm. was taught that. Yeah, sure. And that was confusing to me. And so to me, in a way, it was really a relief to realize God will give us more than we can handle so that, just like you read in Second Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, that he will give us more than we can handle yeah. so that we'll trust in him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and maybe we're going to get into this later, but I think we need that. Yeah. So that we will turn our focus on him and try not to do it in our own strength. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that comes to mind for me when you say that a burden is something out of our control, I think about temptations hit us that we didn't cause them. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes, again, out of our control. Out Out of of our our control. But in both, we can always have a response. Hmm. That's good, yeah. So probably a be- best ways to illustrate it. Sure. Uh, you know, from my own life, I 
I'm not sure if I mentioned this on a prior podcast, but uh, 10 years or so ago, my wife and I, we had a stillborn daughter. Okay. So we couldn't control, you know, her health issues that led to her death. And there were a lot of temptations that came during that temptations Mm -hmm. to not believe correct things about God, about ourselves, about each other. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times there's a mixture. We can't, you know, we can control what we're going to choose to believe. But yeah, a lot of times the temptations and burdens swirl around in the same kind of experience, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So, you know, if I walk out today and hail has hit my car and has dented the entire hood and and everything, I can't control that. That's a burden. Sure. But I'm also probably going to get temptations to worry about finances and time and transportation and what am I going to do with my messed up car, you yeah. know? And yeah. so am I going to trust God? So I think we have uh, many times it's one experience, but it's all seems to be blended together, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it seems to me like the uh, temptation part, obviously, is a lot of it just attacking our beliefs, whereas mm-hmm. burdens are just something that happened. You know, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's not something we can control necessarily. But it's more of a circumstance-based, whereas temptation can literally be an attack on us about a circumstance or an issue that's happened. Absolutely. And theologians believe that what Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 1 was likely what was happening to him when he was in Ephesus, where he was literally facing death. Mm. I mean, people were coming after him. And so that's a, a perfect example of something you can't control. Sure, yeah. And so why is it important to kind of know the difference between those two? Why do we take the time to actually separate those two and understand that there is a difference? What's the importance there? Well, not to be too simplistic, but I'm a pretty simplistic person. (laughs) You know, I think sometimes it's important to say, how are we tempted? What are temptations? What do they look like? Are Mm -hmm. they things we see or feel or, you know, touch or are they thoughts Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't if we don't recognize where those are coming from, they feel and sound like our own thoughts. Sure. Satan doesn't come in and say, okay, this is Satan and I'm getting ready to tempt you now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's like first person singular. And I think when we begin to recognize those messages, my husband calls them the war of words mm. that are going on in our mind. Yeah. And so I think that's a, Uh, something very important for us to be able to recognize so that we can realize where they're coming from and we have the power to reject those. Mm, You know, mom mentioned earlier, there's the cliche that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. And if you mix the idea of burdens up with temptations, you know, in first Corinthians 10, 13, it says there's no temptation that's overtaking you except which is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll give you a way of escape. So that's kind of probably where that cliche is coming from, except Mm -hmm. it doesn't really hold up when you think about temptations don't come from God, according to James one. But if I think that, Oh, I've got to handle this situation with my daughter dying and my own, God's going to give me enough strength to handle it. it. Then I might get into manipulation and unhealthy response and anxiety, trying to bear it in my own strength. And I will mix my role up for God's role. Mm. And so I think if we, we got to keep the idea that temptations are these thoughts that mom's talking about, they're coming from the enemy that are giving me the idea that I should handle this burden in my own strength. Mm. And I think too, uh, for me growing up and, and even now once in a while, a burden, because I didn't cause it, I can often see what that 
uh, that definition about, okay, this is something that came upon me. I didn't cause it. With temptation, when it happens, the the temptation is mm-hmm. to <laughs> think somehow I brought that mm. on myself or just the fact that I was tempted, oh, that was sinful of me to even think that way. Right. And so I have to stop and say, no, the temptation is not the sin. Mm. It is what I do with it. In yeah. both sides, I could sin living under a burden. I could choose a wrong you know, yeah. way to handle it. But it's not actually sinning just because I'm being tempted. Yeah, sure. You know, I think one thing really important to emphasize is like the verse that Bo uh, referenced a while ago in James 1, 13 through 15. God is not the tempter. Satan is the tempter. And we have a way of escape, like 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. And we have the power in Christ to reject that thought, that mm-hmm. temptation, and believe the truth. In the name of Jesus, I always say, I reject that thought in the name of Jesus because mm-hmm. I don't have the power apart from him but with him i do and i can believe the truth which is equally important in the escape not just rejecting the thought but believing the truth but if i choose not to go there then i am carried away and enticed by my lust which is just strong desire that i just keep dwelling on that temptation and then when lust is conceived james says i make up my mind i'm going to go with it then and I sin, and that brings forth death. And that means, why did I eat that extra bowl of ice cream? You know? <laughs> Not that ice cream is a sin, but sure. too much ice cream, you see. Yeah. And so that's what Satan does. He'll deceive you. He'll knock you down. And then when you're down, when you've sinned, then he'll kick you a little bit to make you even feel worse. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's important, like we said, to differentiate between the two. And so we've kind of understood one's a circumstance, one's a choice, you know, obviously ones that we can't escape from. Sometimes burdens can be excessive beyond what we can bear. So let's move a step forward, right? We all have gone through pain. We've all gone through trials, tribulations, dramas of certain kinds. So in the midst of that, where is God? What role is he playing in the midst of those burdens and those and those trials? Not the temptations part, but the burdens and the trials. Where is God in the in those instances? Well, I think when we think about burdens, pain, the world that we live in, we I think of Jesus. Jesus said, "I came that you may have life, and have it more abundantly." Right. Mm-hmm. And then he also talks about um, that he's given us eternal life, and that life is in him, in his Son, and that, that that's given to us through the Holy Spirit. So I say all that. Long answer to a short question. <laughs> yeah. I say this. He's in us. Christ is in us. He's with us. Matthew 28, lo, I am with you always, mm. even to the end of the age. Mm. It doesn't feel that way. And that's where Probably a lot of people are why they ask, why we ask that question. Where are you, God? I don't feel you. Yep. Right. But he is absolutely there inviting us to experience the life of Christ who's within. 
in the midst of that pain. Yeah. I think that's very important to remember because a lot of people see God as out there. You know the old song, God is watching us from a distance. And when we're in pain and he's out there, that's hard to access him. I have to remind myself that whatever God is doing or allowing, because a burden is something that he will allow to cause me to rely on him, that he's not trying to break me. I've been made complete. Mm, yeah. I'm complete in Christ. I have everything I need. He is trying to break that reliance on anything else but him, mm. that he's not trying to break my spirit, my personality. Mm. He loves those things yeah. about me. But if there's anything that's coming between us and I am relying on it, then he may allow that. But that is where he is going to also supply, just like Bo was saying. And I see that and can count on that. I'm going to go through that trial much more. I'm going to learn more from it quickly. I'm going to be blessed even in it, not just feel abandoned or let down or mistrustful. And I think that's really a good thought, Jamie. I like the way you put that about he's not going to break me, but he wants to break that reliance. And uh, that's a beautiful picture of a loving God. Mm -hmm. And that really goes back to our concept of God. Hey, that's what we yeah. started with. And the more I counsel, the more I recognize how important that first commandment that Jesus was asked, what's the most important? He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so can I trust him? Is he good? Is he good all the time? Yeah. And I know in my own life when I've had some difficult things come up in you know, I don't always do this perfectly, but I, I remember one time I asked the question, why, God? Mm. That was my first thought. Did you let this happen? Yeah. But then my second thought, and I believe this was from the Spirit, he said, I remembered, you are good. Mm. And even though this doesn't look good to me right now, that doesn't change the fact, Father, that you are good always. You know, when I think about your question, Jesus comes to mind. Jesus is the, the revelation of God's heart. And I think of Lazarus. And where was Jesus in Lazarus' pain? You know, well, you could say, well, he wasn't there for the first sure. few days. But when we see the story, he's actually weeping mm. with those who, so he's mourning with those who mourn. Yeah. So, well, a couple questions have come up as you guys have talked. So, Bo, you said that, you know, we have to remember God's in us, the Spirit's in us, and that he's not out there somewhere and that he's walking through us. He's never going to leave us. But how does that help me in the here and now? So God's there. What is that? What role does He have in being in me? Why does that necessarily make a difference to what I'm experiencing, the trial I'm going through right this moment? Why does that carry me through it? Well, it won't make any difference at all if I don't invest my faith in it. Hmm. If I invest my faith in my resources, or the I can even look using my eyes of faith and trying to see how am I going to overcome this, this burden? How, mm. I'm going to be despairing, even though he's still there, I'm not tapping into it. So it's not going to help me. <laughs> so when you say use your faith, what does that mean? Trust. Okay. 
uh, is how I'm Trust using it. He it is. If I'm trusting, if I'm looking at the the obstacle, the burden, I'm putting my trust on myself really to say, I can't, how can I overcome this? I mm. can't overcome this. Or I could take that same trust and invest it in the indwelling presence of the spirit. And if you're like me, like I mentioned the death of my daughter, mm. it was a moment by moment choice. Yeah, of course. Am I going to invest in the trust that he's given me into him mm. who's living within, who says he's meeting my every need? Or am I going to look at this, this is impossible and what's going to happen and fear and anxiety start to build mm. because my resources aren't. And then he reminds me the next moment, no, you're in, he's mm. in me, he's with me. Yeah. He is never going to harm me. It's that concept of God thing that mom was yeah. talking about. And then the next moment I get a tempting idea, but you don't understand the pain and, and the uncertainty and the fear because I'm investing my trust right back into my own strength. And so it's a it's a moment by moment. So yeah. would you say it's kind of like an outlook of where you're putting your hope necessarily, like in the hope of the outcome, if it's based on you and your daughter and what, what all that means, as opposed to your hope on the outcome of God leading you through the situation? Yes, I like that. We're on the podcast, so you can't see me nodding my head. <laughs> but I'm nodding my head, as you say. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> hope, I like the definition of hope is a confident expectation. Well, I had no confident expectations that what was going to happen with my daughter. I didn't mm, know. Sure. So my, where am I investing my hope? It's the only place that I can really be confident is in Christ mm. and his indwelling power and love. Okay, awesome. And I, I think, too, I would say along with that, yes, I definitely agree with that. But along with that, I think it's a choice. We have a choice. True love gives a choice. Yeah. We always have a choice. And when we have a track record of trust with the Lord, I like to say when you see God answer a prayer or see him show up strong and mighty or speak to you through scripture, something you've never seen before, it's like putting a stake in the ground. Mm. And then the next time you put another stake in another stake in another stake. And before long, you look back and you see all those stakes. You see God's faithfulness. And that increases my faith. And my choice becomes, you know, I'm not saying always it's easy. Sometimes you just... You can't go on your feelings. You just go on the fact that you know God is faithful and he's been faithful in the past. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm walking by faith, not by sight. And I I think, you know, as a young Christian, I used to think, okay, this is going to get easier. But I don't know if it gets easier, but I think it does get better because we are going deeper with him. And we've seen his working in our lives, not always turning out the way we thought. But again, that trust and hope that God is good. We know that he's good and we're going to trust him no matter what. Yeah. And going to what you said earlier, Jamie, you know, I think one of the other questions that popped in my mind was, yes, so God uses the trials and burdens in our lives to increase our dependence and faith and trust in him. But I think a lot of people would take it one step behind that or one step back and say, well, did God cause the burden so that we would learn from that? Or is that something that he's using? Like, so what's God's role in the actual causing of the burden? Well, I don't, I don't believe that God ever wanted us to suffer. I don't believe that was his original plan. Mm. So I don't think that really is his plan now. It's not his desire that we suffer. We're in a fallen world. So why not use what's here now to focus us? I always think back to the original problem that Adam and Eve had was 
they became self-conscious. Yeah. Right? And that's what we do. We look to self for everything. We look to self. And instead of using a lens that is now ours through Christ and seeing that God has a million and one ways to work this out. Mm. I can only see two. And if they don't work out that way, oh, then, you know, he has failed me yeah. somehow. But where's my focus? And if my focus is what that word says, that I've already got the victory, mm. I can relax and rest in that. But I don't believe that ever that God means harm for us. We see it too many times in the word where he says that's not what yeah. he wants. Yeah. But I just wonder, and this is just me, you know, Satan turned to self. Mm-hmm. And he was right there with God. Yeah. He could see God every day. He could know the beauty mm. and the, the blessing of his creator. And yet his focus turned inward. Mm. And I just wonder sometimes, God, why are we here? Why are we suffering on this earth? Mm. And I've come to wonder and accept and, ex- and expect that all of these things that God is doing is that reliance on him so that when we get to heaven, we're fully there, we're enjoying him, hmm. we're not turning our focus yeah. anywhere else. Yeah. And something about what we go through here on earth fits us for heaven. Hmm. Awesome. I think it's a really important question that you're asking um, because James, we've already referenced the passage in James 1 that God is not the author of evil. And hmm. so suffering is 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 the consequences of sin. Hmm. We live in a broken world with sinful consequences and things are broken. Yeah. And we experience the consequences of that hmm. rippling. Some things are very clear. Like if I run a red light, I'm going to experience the burden of something I can't control and that's a fine, you know, mm-hmm. and increased insurance rates and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, other things are much more like cancer or heart attacks or hurricane season, much broader and more diffuse. But one thing is clear in the scriptures is, is that the whole world groans, Romans 8. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I do believe what Jamie's saying, that God uses it. Yeah. And it, what it does is it promotes our awareness that we cannot control. We can't be our own God. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously the burdens don't come from God, right? I always think about it this way, like God isn't hurling disaster at us and then coming back around the other side and comforting us. That would be Mm two-faced, right? But he's, despite, or because we live in a fallen world and we are experiencing burdens and trials, he is there always with us, like you've talked about, but to comfort us. He's a great comforter and a counselor to show that his love is there for us, no matter what we're going through, no matter what situation it is. But the thing about trials and burdens, it affects us on every level. So it affects us emotionally, it can affect us physically, spiritually. You know, I think that because it's all-encompassing, it can be very difficult to go through those. So in those instances, obviously we've talked about why God allows us to go through them, is to grow closer to Him and dependence on Him. 
But what's the hardest for you guys? What's the hardest part of the trials you've been through? That is it the emotional, the psychological, the what part of it's been the hardest for you? All of the above. <laughs> I was going to say the same Hard thing. To yeah. <laughs> I can think of emotional things that have happened not just to me, but to somebody that I love that's mm. hurt. You yeah. know, that is, you know, sometimes it's like you can hurt me, but don't hurt my children right? mm. <laughs> or my grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, it can be extremely painful. I know recently I've just been through some back issues that were very painful, and I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to pain. But I can remember one night I hadn't been able to sleep in a couple of weeks and laying down, and I was up walking the floors in so much pain, and I was crying out to God. I mean, he was, the pain medication didn't work. I was tired. And it's in times like that, that you have to say, Father, you are the healer, whether it's emotional or physical or whatever. And I'm totally dependent on you. That's my trust. And it goes back to, is God good? Can I trust him? So I think all the above. So recently I had a situation where Someone I felt like didn't give me the benefit of the doubt, didn't understand, wasn't treating me the way I wanted to be treated, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what we would call a burden because I can't really control that person, right? Yet there was temptations flying in there about my worth and respect. And I start having all this emotional stuff going on inside yeah. of me. And, and then you, your body gets tense too, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it all affects... It affects us on so many different levels, the spiritual, the psychological, the physical, it's all interwoven. That's why I think the Living in Jesus study, you know, earlier when we were talking about the design of humanity, yeah. is so important to understand when you're facing a burden. Yeah. It's happening in the physical world, but there's elements happening in the spiritual world and in the emotional dissonance is happening on the soul level. And when I understand, have a clear understanding of spirit, soul, body, it gives me an opportunity to have just beautiful conversations with the spirit so mm -hmm. that he can, cause I can't even figure out what, <laughs> what is this emotion and, but no, it's that person that's doing this, but I'm tired yeah. of this and I'm feeling tense and stressed and he can untangle the, the yarn that's all knotted up or the, you know, yep. that's all confused there. Yeah. Yeah, because we are one mm -hmm. with him. But at the same time, we have all these components that aren't him. Hmm. And it's hard for me to separate, especially as a woman. I know guys can compartmentalize. <laughs> but for a woman, they're just all spaghetti there. They touch and they hit and they one will remind me of another. Hmm. And so, like Bo said, I go into the spiritual, you know, I'm talking to Father, but then I go into the physical, oh, that hurt. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. Or I go into the mental and start analyzing it. Yeah. You know, why did this happen? What did I do? Where did I go? Maybe it's a female thing. Maybe it's a person thing. But because we're a whole person and all of those parts and components work together, I think it's really hard to separate. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that we can take this one step further. I think, you know, obviously it's difficult in all three areas and all the areas of our lives when we're going through trials. What would you say to someone whose burden or trial doesn't end, right? I mean, so a lot of times we've talked about, you, you brought up your back pain, Connie, about how that is was terrible for a while, but it did go away, right? But there are situations in people's lives where, you know, they deal with pain 
whether it's emotional or physical, for their whole lives, right? And it's something that they are carrying with them or that's happened to them or continues to happen to them. Any difference in how we handle something that's, I use the word chronic, but lifelong? Mm-hmm. So about three or four years ago, I've, I felt like the Spirit was leading me into a deeper understanding than I had previously of 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul has the famous thorn in the flesh. And of course, people like to debate what it was. And I don't think it's really important yeah. what it was, because if it was, he would have told us. But the idea <laughs> here is it's fine, I think, to pray for the burden to go away. Mm. It's fine. Paul did it. Yeah, of course. Three times. And God wasn't upset with him and, Mm -hmm. you know, he didn't reprimand him. What he said to him was, my grace is sufficient for you, Mm -hmm. for powers perfected in weakness. And so that was one aspect. Okay, and this is where it helps to know your identity because the love of God has been poured in our hearts. The favor of God is rest upon us because of the Spirit. And then I think what he's led me to do, and this is something that I get to walk out, I have to walk out. I choose to walk out moment by moment. Paul made a decision. He says, I'm well content with weakness and with distress and with persecution. Now, this Mm. is not a woe is me. I'm going to be passive and not try to continue to look for options for the chronicness of this situation or draw healthy boundaries of its relationships or whatever it is. It's more of a spiritual awareness that Christ is sufficient. So therefore, I'm going to give thanks in all things. I don't give thanks for sin, but given the fact that sin exists and this is happening, I give thanks that his grace is sufficient and that mm-hmm. I'm getting to tap into it. So I'm, I'm learning, and I'm, I don't do all this all the time, but I'm learning to walk into situations I don't like, that I don't have control over, and say, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Not that it's happening, but rather that you're reminding me of my complete weakness and dependence on yeah. you. Well, when we counsel people, they're all coming in with an issue that they've been struggling with for some time that they cannot get over or can't seem to handle. And they come in wanting an end to it. (laughs) And the beauty of what we can offer here and what I often tell them is whether or not your situation ever changes, you need to be able to draw on the peace that Christ offers because we're living in a fallen world. That situation may end and you may step into another one. But can you be at peace? Can you enjoy life? Can you have evidence of that fruit of the Spirit Mm. that does not go away no matter what your circumstance is? That is real living. Not when everything is taken away and it's all Mm. good. But can you live a good life? Can you have that joy that cannot be removed, even in a circumstance? And that will speak to people. I know in my own life, when I got that, my family would come up and they would say, something's different about you. You're like happier, but I don't see any change going on. Is there anything happening? No. uh -uh. It wasn't that my circumstances changed. You know, as a young Christian, a Bible teacher told my husband and I something that I wrote down in the front of my Bible, and I've never forgotten it. And it's not a verbatim scripture, but it's a principle that you'll see throughout scripture. And what he said was, whatever God requires, he provides. Hmm. 
And I've thought of that many times. God will never take us into something, give us something to do, that he's not going to give us what it takes to do it with that joy and peace that Jamie was talking about. Mm. And to me, that's just a powerful, that that goes back to a loving God, Mm. a good God, that he's going to give us what it takes. Now, the question is, am I going to be willing to trust him in that and believe that truth? You know, I've, we've said that uh, phrase quite a bit today, just am I willing to trust him? Because obviously the trials and the burdens bring that question to the top. Right? I mean, that's the number one question. Like you said, Connie, that's the most important question we can ask with whatever's going on is do I trust God in this instance? Because if the answer is I'm not sure or no, then we're, we're not getting any help that way. And, you know, that's not ever going to be an answer for us. And so I think what God's looking for is that dependency upon him, right? That's the ultimate response in any trial or burden that we're going through is a dependency upon him for his strength and his knowledge and his wisdom to be able to navigate any situation we're going through. And so let's personalize this a little bit, right? Let's let's talk about your lives a little bit. Why don't you guys share a little bit just with um, some stories that you've been through of trials or burdens that you've actually experienced and how God's faithfulness to you played itself out and the way you were dependent upon him. Well, I can remember a time before I received this understanding of how God works. Hmm. But because it happened, I was able to apply it years later. I was a young mother, a young wife. My husband had just gotten into the military. He was about to train to be a pilot. We had moved And I had no source of support outside of him and my little daughter. And I wanted to be the very best Mm. Christian and mother (laughs) and wife. And so I'm really reading my word and I'm really thinking that I'm relying on God. Mm. Well, we had moved to a base where these are sailors and they're soldiers, they're Marines, they're Navy guys. They curse like sailors. (laughs) And... I wasn't used to that. All of a sudden, I'm being bombarded with these thoughts. That temptation Mm. is is hitting me. And I would try to think about God and a bad word or or a bad thought would come about God. And I would just get so, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't mean that, God. Mm. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to think that. What's happening here? This went on for a couple of months. Mm. Until I thought I couldn't go to church. I could not hear the doxology all the way through without these thoughts bombarding me. I literally thought I was losing my mind. Mm. And I would cry out to God. We saw it every possible human thing we could think of. My husband tried to call the old pastors. He did everything to help me with this. Nothing helped mm. I don't, I couldn't tell you what scripture it was that I read, but at some point I read something and it was probably put this on him. Mm. But I remember 
looking up to heaven and saying, God, I'm done. If you want me, you'll fix this. Mm -hmm. If you don't, I still want you. So I'm going to put this on you, and I'm going to just move on with my day, living as if I believe you're taking care of this. So when that thought would assail, I would look up and I would say, you heard that, it's your problem, (laughs) and I would move on with my day. Hmm. The first day, if it happened 100 times, I probably, the second day, didn't notice if it only happened 95, but little by little. My faith was making a difference because I was relying on his mm. power to change me, mm. not mine. And it, was, it had been such a painful thing, me trying to change it yeah. myself, that now I was actually kind of enjoying the <laughs> process. Like, okay, I'm good. You got it, God. You got it. Not that I enjoyed the temptation, sure, no, yeah. but I was enjoying putting that on him. Mm. It felt so good to be relieved of that problem of that burden of trying to fix it. I'd spent two months trying to get rid of that problem. It took about a week to be done with it. And looking back now, when I received these truths and learned his grace is sufficient, I could apply that to that problem back then and go, wow, it works. Yeah. It's awesome. So my, my story is a little bit different. It has to do with unmet uh, dreams that, are, that go unfulfilled. Mm. Yeah. And these dreams I had uh, and still do have sometimes, they weren't sinful. They were actually beautiful. I believe they're things that God's placed in my heart, but they just weren't coming to fruition. Mm. And I remember a time of praying in the middle of the night about them with this deep longing for these things to come to fruition. And yet I was, it, it was like, it would, it would be, you might as well told me to, you know, swim the Atlantic ocean and get to Europe, you know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, it's so far out of reach. I mean, it's so far out there. And, and if I hook my respect and love and value into those dreams being fulfilled, it's just a way too burdensome because you'll never get them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I remember the spirit meeting me in that time of prayer. And I could, not an audible voice, but uh, him whispering to my heart, but what is it you really desire? And I knew what he was talking about. That everything that I had placed into those dreams as a means of fulfilling a need Mm -hmm. was really a symbol of me desiring him. And in other words, he was saying, let me bear this burden from you. It's really about me enjoying you. You know, Jesus was telling me, it's about Bo enjoying Jesus. Mm. Bo enjoying, and that's dependence. Or I could have taken the other route and just say, no, I got to work harder. I got to make this dream happen. I got to swim the Atlantic Ocean. I got to get to Europe, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it was a moment of, of surrender, even though I, I didn't use that terminology in the prayer. Sure. It was this invitation into intimacy, which is saying, God, I give you that dream, which is really I was trying to use as a vehicle to get respect. Mm. And instead, I'm going to trust that you are sufficient. And so to me, that was an example. Now, those dreams haven't really, some of them have come partially to fruition. And that's beautiful. Jesus rejoices with me. But it was never about the dream. Mm. It was about me letting go of the dream as a means of getting a worth or value need and placing that instead in Christ. Mm. Yeah, awesome. 
And I'm going to kind of piggyback on what Jamie said, not in the instant, but just how she was bombarded with those thoughts, because mm. I have known the Lord for over 50 years now, and I was just having this conversation yesterday with somebody how it seems like there's times that Satan comes on hot and heavy with temptations. And I mean, I could go a whole gamut of examples, but I'm just thinking about relationships, maybe being misunderstood or someone's Mm -hmm. hurt somebody I love. And maybe I'm trying to take up an an offense, which is not really mine to take up, but I'm tempted in that area. And it just seems like those thoughts just keep coming, coming, coming. And it, Again, I hate to be redundant, but it goes back to, can I trust God? Is he going to take it away? Am I going to go to him each time? And I'm thinking of Ephesians 6, where Paul says, stand firm in God's strength. Don't try to do it in your own strength, but stand firm. Resist the enemy. Resist. It says over and over, verse uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. This is right before it goes into the armor of God. And, I, and I'm thinking about Jesus. He was tempted by the enemy in the wilderness. And every time he stood on the scripture. Hmm. So, yes, it's painful. And one of my prayers is, Lord, help me to be quick to recognize the lie so that I can reject it and believe the truth. Hmm. And sometimes I don't feel that intense temptation But other times, it's just bombarded with it. But it goes back to, and I wanted to say this a while ago, but that verse that we're all familiar with, it's quoted so often, but it's so powerful. Romans 8, 28, and God causes. It's not just all things work together for good, but God causes all things to work together for good. So seeing in that temptation, Father, I'm believing you're going to cause this to work together for my good. I'm rejecting it. And sometimes I just use my hands and lift them up to him and say, Father, I give you this burden. I can't carry it. Or I forgive that person. I'm releasing it to you. I think all three of you spoke a little bit about the, both of them, the burden, but also then the temptation that came with it, right? And it's, it's interesting because we talked about at the beginning about how those two things are hard to separate. And in fact, I believe Satan doesn't allow a burden to go without tempting somebody. It's an opportune time for him to attack. <laughs> exactly. So it makes sense. Mm, he's well, nasty. Those, yes. <laughs> put those two things together. But so, he's defeated. We have to remember yes. he's defeated. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, on the flip side, though, so those are some instances where you have seen uh, positively where you've responded or seen God work in your life. What about challenging times where you went through something difficult and relied on your own strength, right? Can you think of a time where you took things into your own hands and how it turned out and the difference between those? Because obviously, I'm, I'm sure we've all been in those instances where we've taken matters into our own hands, but tell us about that story and then tell us about how the experience was different than the first one. Well, for me, it's 
Well, I've got about a million of those stories in parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. True. So parenting is not, nothing, uh, everything about parenting is beautiful and wonderful and lovely, but there's many times where, because you're dealing with different people that have freedom to make choices. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really, I think a lot of times where burdens come from is God gives us freedom to make choices. And sometimes our choices aren't good. Yep. And as a parent, you know, I can think of a number of different stories where I'm trying to impart a bit of truth to an emotional situation. Maybe it's between siblings. Maybe it's between me and one of the children. And they don't want to hear it, Hmm. you know, and that's a burden. (laughs) You know, the scriptures itself says, honor your father and your mother, right? So, I mean, in that moment, they're impatient with me. And so in that's a burden. But then I get a temptation. Mm -hmm. And here's the temptation. I'm not respected. I'm not hurt. I'm not effective as a yeah. parent. And so there's the temptation. And then usually there's an idea. Another part of the temptation is a way to remedy it, which <laughs> yeah. is a sin. <laughs> and that would be be impatient with them. Fleshly activity. Fleshly activity, maybe be sarcastic, maybe resort to the old, well, I have more experience than you, you know, put down, you know, mm-hmm. in a way of trying to control them and get them in a line with agreeing with me. Yeah. And when I do that, it adds a burden back on them because I just sinned against them. Mm. And then if you can get the picture of a seesaw yeah, going yeah. on, you know, the old <laughs> playground, you got, if they choose to respond to that burden by fleshly, then we got an escalating seesaw that gets out of, out of control. And that's painful. It leads to, it leads to pain in our relationship. I mean, James says it results in death, not necessarily praise God, not physical death in in the case of parenting, but in you're not experiencing the life of Christ. And that's, Mm. that's grieves us as new creations in Christ. So how's that? I mean, obviously this is an obvious question, but how's that different than the times that you've responded to those same instances through the spirit. Okay. So the difference would be is sometimes by God's grace, I take his way of escape and mm-hmm. it goes something like this. Father, uh, or I reviews the idea that I should get my needs met for respect from my child. I'm going to get it from you. How do you want me to respond? And usually that's is going to be uh, something like be slow to speak, mm-hmm. quick to hear, slow to anger. Or sometimes he's given me ideas to actually affirm the identity, because my children are believers in Christ. They've mm-hmm. received salvation. So to affirm their identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, does that mean that immediately everything is just, you know, rainbows and pots of gold? And no, you know, they still have, there's still emotional stuff that's swirling around. And sometimes they still want to stay on the seesaw, mm-hmm. you know, but I've stepped off the seesaw yeah. because I am choosing to get my needs met from Christ. And by his grace, I'm going to respond by not being sarcastic Hmm. or not demeaning them by saying, I've got a lot more experience than you and you should listen up. Well, one thing, I mean, I've got a lot of examples too, but one thing that comes to my mind is as a young married woman, um, my father had died when I was 17. I saw my mother as a widow. It was painful. I didn't want to go there. And so when I married my husband, Greg, I was fearful that God was going to take him. And after we came to Christ, two years after we married, he used to fly around on these little planes and share his testimony in the South. And I just hated that when he did that because I was so fearful. I actually would have 
labeled myself as a worrier because mm. I had come from a family of worriers. I thought at that point it was inherited and that was my lot in life. And it brought a lot of pain mm. into my life. And so I would in- try to encourage him not to go or, you know, just worry, worry, worry. That is a pit mm. to live there. Yeah. And so, and I didn't, at that point, I didn't know how to get out of it. God showed me later and I'm not a worrier, praise God, in my new creation. I'm still tempted to worry, yeah. but I know it's a pit. And the good news is I don't have to go there. But when I go there, it's not fun. So when you were going through it and you didn't know necessarily a way to handle it, what was that experience like? What did you experience in those moments when you were worrying and you, you took that as your identity and didn't have a way out necessarily? And, you know, probably... A lot of this was internal. I don't know if people would have looked at, Greg may have known because, you know, we were living together as husband and wife. But, you know, on the outside, I smiled and Mm. I went about my business. But inside, it was churning. Mm. And I had had a lot of people in my family that I learned well from Mm -hmm. there. And I'm sure they didn't set out to teach me that. And Mm. these were church going. I would say they were Christians. But that's the way they live their lives. So, yes, it was inside mostly. Well, I could also give... The numbers in the gazillions um, of <laughs> times that I did not rely on Christ for my needs being met. But I think of Bob Warren every time I think of this story. He said that if God is allowing you to go through a lesson, you better let him go ahead and <laughs> and take you through it so you learn it, or you're going to have to repeat that test. <laughs> We moved so many times in the military. Yeah. And every time we moved, I said, God, why did you do this again? You've put me next to that neighbor from you know where. (laughs) Every time, God, what is it with you? And I didn't see my role there at all. I thought, I'm the good Christian. I'm the good neighbor. I'll bring you the cookies. I'll move into the neighborhood and bring you the cookies. Mm. So I thought I was fine had some issue every single time we moved with somebody in the neighborhood. Mm. And when we moved here, well, one one thing that happened was they were never resolved because I could move. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did not leave me with a good feeling, but I could get away from it. I could escape it. Mm. I could get out of it. But it brought death. It brought death of that relationship. Yeah. And my world kept getting smaller and smaller, (laughs) for sure. When we moved here, happens again. Mm. But this time, what made it different was I got this understanding that my relationship and my value and the outcome were not in my hands and shouldn't be in my hands. If I want to be a witness... I need to let God allow whatever in my life. I need to let him use the teachable moments. I need to let him use the circumstances in my life to speak of Christ's power in me, not me, not me trying to escape it, because mine would be, talk to the hand now, I'm done with you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak to you. I don't want to see you. And I'm all holier than thou because you were the one that was wrong. Mm. So this time... It happened again, and I was tempted, and I went down that route. 
for a while. And then the Holy Spirit just got hold of me and said, how long are you going to repeat this test? I'd like for you to experience my life and see the difference in the outcome. Mm -hmm. So one evening in a neighborhood gathering, I apologized. (laughs) I wasn't the one that had done the wrong. Mm. Everybody in the neighborhood knew I wasn't the one who had done the wrong. Sure. The other person felt they had been wronged, but I apologized. Hmm. That doesn't come out of me. <laughs> I'm talking to the hand, move on, get, get you yeah. know, away. Immediately, the other person began to apologize too. Hmm. And immediately, there was this sense of, we have wasted so much time. Hmm. You know, I missed a friend. Yeah. Satan used this to keep me from having abundant life in this moment in that valuable friendship that now I have and we're quite close and I would have missed that Mm. so that's what would happen and I would just lose out and lose out and lose out who knows how many valuable friendships I lost and if I could go back and do it oh I'd quickly choose well, yeah, it, route. it reminds me of a story you were talking about before, just about how a lot of times the reaction that we can have in burdens and trials is often different than what we might imagine. Like you said, like you apologizing in that instance, you didn't necessarily have anything to apologize for, but what it showed is that you understood who you were and you were com- comfortable in being able to apologize even though you hadn't done anything wrong. So if I don't, I don't know, put you on the spot a little bit, but do you mind sharing that story you were talking about just about how our responses can be different? Okay. Yes. Uh, I was talking to Ross before the podcast began about a story that I'd read in one of Philip Yancey's books that worked so powerfully in my life. And it comes up all the time. It's a story of a young woman back in the civil rights movement in a city where there's a lot of anger uh, on one street, Uh, you have a group of whites and a group of blacks, and they're just yelling back and forth at each other. And a young woman is walking uh, past with her toddler, and she wants to avoid it. But a big white guy, she's a black woman, by the way, and a big white guy looks over and sees her, and I suppose in his mind thought, she's not getting out of this, walks over to her, and he's so enraged by this fight that's going back and forth that His first response when he gets up to this young woman is he spits on her. And at that moment, she had a lot of responses she could have gone with. And we think of our own, and hers certainly wasn't the first I would have come up with, Mm -hmm. but she turned to him, wiped the spit away from her face, looked up and said, thank you, sir, and now for my child. And everything seemed to stop. The gentleman looked in shock at her, and the child hung his head and walked away. But the thing was, he didn't walk back to the crowd. He walked away from the crowd. And when I read that story, I thought, that was a life changed. He won't go back to that anger. Her response led to what Christ wanted to happen in that circumstances. And that wasn't wasted then. What happened to her didn't take away any of her dignity, mm-hmm. really, in the long run. Yep. It elevated her. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't really lose 
anything of value in that moment that she chose to surrender her rights and a life was changed. And so that comes to mind more. That's grace. Yeah. That's God's power in us. This morning I was reading in Jesus's words in the Gospels about turning the other cheek, which is that story just illustrates beautifully. And I think this is the key word in all of our stories. The difference between it being an impactful story or yeah, not, not yeah. is the idea of surrender. Yep. It's the idea of not surrender and like, uh, God, okay, you've got me pinned down now. I got to give up. It's more of like I surrender my way of trying to control in exchange for your life meeting my needs. Mm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that as we've talked about a few times, but Jesus exemplifies that in his life and what he did. I mean, he came as God, even though he emptied himself. But at any moment, he could have chosen to use that power, and he never did. He chose that dependence over and over. And so knowing that that's what Jesus experienced, how does that help to make or to grow and have a deeper intimate relationship with Jesus in your life? You know, obviously we like to bring it back to that at the end of every podcast. So how has knowing that Jesus has been through all of the burdens, you know, he's, he's been tempted in every way and he's faced burdens beyond what we could probably imagine. How does that help you be more intimate with him? Well, I think because he is our life, mm-hmm. you know, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. So that is my life. Mm. That power is so restful. Mm. Instead of feeling like, here, I hold my hands up and surrender. Surrender to me is just falling back on that pillow and just resting in, God, you've got a way to handle this. I'm fighting against the wind here. I'm (laughs) going against the the tornado when you want me to be in the center. Just resting while all the world crashes around me. You are my life. So it's not a sense of struggle anymore because Jesus did empty himself. And I go back to, you know, the very fact that there's the difference between the life that Satan wanted when he tried to say, I want to be God. Hmm. And Jesus in Philippians where it says, He didn't even want to grasp Mm -hmm. (laughs) being equal with God. Though he was, he emptied himself. The total opposite reaction of what Satan did. And that's who we are now. And that's the power that we can live out of. For me, I think it's the key was the verse you mentioned in your question. He was tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. So he's a high priest that can sympathize with our weaknesses, the passage says, right, in Hebrews. And so I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, rejection from his his disciples couldn't stay up and, yep. and pray with him, spiritual attack, physical uh, duress that's so great. And he says, like Jamie was saying, that same his same power is in me. Hmm. I don't know. I don't, I can't, I'm not God. So I don't know what the future does holds, but he does. Yeah. Right. I'm limited because I'm a created being, but he's unlimited in his resources and he's hmm. in me. And so it, the same way he lived in dependence on the father, I know he's walked that path. Mm-hmm. And so 
he's my shepherd. I keep getting this image of him. The shepherd goes before and prepares the way for the sheep. Sheep don't know what to do, right? Yeah. And so it's this idea of dependence. But if the sheep doesn't surrender to the leadership of the, the shepherd, it's going to be the shepherd still loves him. He's still going to seek him out. He's still going to rescue him, but it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so that is how it brings Jesus into the focus for me. Yeah. I think for me is what y'all have said truly is on my heart also, but also just the overwhelming, extravagant love that God has for us. And that's what it shows because he didn't have to do any of that, Mm. but because he loved us, he was willing to suffer. And this story just comes to my mind. It was an illustration for our family, but one, one time I'll try to make this short. One of our sons, our eldest son was, he just kind of broke, well, it didn't kind of, he broke curfew. Mm-hmm. We had given him a curfew and he just kept, you know, a couple of times. It wasn't, you know, wasn't, well, it was like 11 o'clock. He'd come in at 11.10 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, just enough to see. And we didn't have any cell phones back then. And so my husband was really, he said, I'm going to draw the line on this. I don't know whether you're going to be in a ditch or not if you're not home because I don't have any connections. So I, I want you to be home. You can be home early, but not after. And so that, so he did it again. And uh, so he brought him in. And usually when we were handled discipline in our family, we did it privately. But this time, Greg really felt like the Holy Spirit was telling him to bring the whole family in. And he explained that what he had done and how he had broken the curfew. And he said, and so we gave, we called him Pops. Now, this son was really too old to get Pops. We had already started doing, stopped doing that. But to just make the point, Greg said, okay, so Pops are the discipline and I'm going to take the Pops for you. And my son immediately said, no, dad, I don't want. And he said, yes, I want you to give me three pops and I want you to give them to me hard. And my son started tearing up and he said, dad, I don't want to give you hard pops. Mm -hmm. And uh, Greg said, yes, Jesus took the pops for us. I'm going to take the pops for you. And so. I think by the time this was all over, we were probably all crying. I don't know if Bo, you were or not. I was crying, I know. And I know there were some tears in there. So my son, he reared back and gave Greg three hard pops. But I think that was a lesson to me. It just, you know, mm-hmm. put it in flesh and blood, really what Jesus had done, not to any of the degree that what Christ went through, right. but just to show, even though he wasn't deserving of it, he took our son's pops. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, I I hope that encourages people because ultimately out of this, we all live in this world. We all live in in this fallen world where we've all either made mistakes, created burdens for others, or we've been under, you know, burdens. And just to understand fully and to get a clear grasp of how much God loves us, that he's willing to give us hope, give us a way of escape, and also be there and comfort us and give us everything we need in the moments that we're going through the difficulties. I mean, screams his love, his extravagant love for us and how much he is for us. And so I hope, obviously, as people are going through things in their lives and they hear this, that they're encouraged because no matter what you're going through, God is there, he is is with you, he's loving you, he's giving you everything you need in those moments to to navigate this. He, He has all the resources in the world, like Bo said, to walk you every step of the way through whatever is going on in your life. So we hope you're encouraged by this. Thank you guys so much for all your words and your stories. And we hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we'll see you next week. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will take a dive into the subject of forgiveness. We will discuss what forgiveness is and how central it is to experiencing the abundant life in Christ. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brazina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless.